<laughs> I love it, man. Well, Chris, for the people who don't know you, can you walk me through who you are? You know, if you had to give an elevator pitch for who Christopher Elman is, um, what do you do? Who are you? What do you care about? And then I think we'll walk a little bit through like um, some of the projects that recently you've been doing, but also mm -hmm. stuff that you've done in the past as well. Um, cool. Yeah, I I am a commercial director from Central Pennsylvania, and if I had to boil down what I do and what I'd like to do more of is try to make commercials that look and feel like movies. Dude, I like that, man. That's very that's very concrete. I feel like um did, did you ever have a did you ever have like a a time, I guess, or a time period or or stretch of your life where maybe you d you weren't able to uh define that as well? Oh my god. Cuz I feel like sometimes when I ask Forever. when I ask people that question and when I ask myself that question, I'm like Hmm. And then I end up like just rambling a little bit about who I am and then I end up going into a story and then it ends up turning into like a like a uh, a movie that nobody wants to sit through <laughs> in terms of like how do I catch people up to this? I yeah, I mean but that was very well succinct, by the way. Thank you. I, I think the biggest the only way I was able to get to that is by just forcing limits on myself because I could go for an hour about you know, what I think I might be, but I mean, I think the biggest thing with anybody not to get too like out there, but I have no clue who I am, you know, like none of us, uh, that's like, I feel like that's the whole thing, you know, is like figuring out who we are. And if we think we know one, I think that's just a big lie. Cause there's no way that we could know who we are fully. Cause we're always learning and always finding that out. But even beyond that, I think it's really sad, you know? So like for me, yeah, that's what I would say. That's what I would like put on a business card or the elevator pitch. But, um, I mean, I didn't grow up making movies at all. I, I w always wanted to, but we didn't have cameras. And I think that was part of the reason that it was so magic to me was because it was so unattainable, you know, like, um, growing up my, my, grandfather had a, a VHS camera like the big shoulder cam and I mean back then not that many people had them you know like he was so proud of that that there's, there's this picture that I, I love he went on vacation with my grandmother uh, and they were younger and they had this like professional photo taken of them they were I want to say they might have been in Hawaii they were some somewhere like a big deal vacation big enough of a deal that they had a photo taken of them and it's my grandmother, my grandfather, and he has this giant VHS camera on his shoulder that he like included purposely in this professional picture. And like lots of people did that stuff because it was such a huge deal. So I think like growing up in a time and place where if you wanted to make a movie, you had to like borrow the camera from the family member who had it. Um, just really like instilled how precious and like magic that kind of stuff was for me um so then once I got older to the point where they started to be more readily available it was just like it was huge look, look at this guy <laughs> we got a special guest here <laughs> this, this is my dog it, Charlie <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah that's that's kind of the the long and short of it but always been really enamored by movies and by movie making and I think the fact that a lot of times that for a lot of my life it was just out of reach made it so much more interesting and magical to me whereas I think if if I just always you know oh my parents had a 16 millimeter camera they were always making movies you know for a lot of people that leaves the impression that they do get into it but I don't know if that would have been it for me it may have been then something that was just there I don't know yeah yeah dude that's super interesting um so i so growing up i i never really i was into movies but i loved animations mm -hmm. um like some of the older disney films like treasure planet hercules 
Um, yes. Like the 2D drawn ones. And so, but I it was never, like, I liked movies, like, I guess the average amount that a normal kid would, but I, I never had this, like, special fascination with it. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, every time that I listen to podcasts where they, like, interview filmmakers, I always get kind of jealous when, like, people are like, yeah, man, I was making movies, like, ever since I was a kid, doing, like, stop motion animations, <laughs> or I grabbed my dad's camera, and I, I just started, and it was just this beautiful thing. And then I'm like sitting listening to it. And I'm like, man, I wish I had that story. I wish I had that story. And and it's like, at this at, on like one hand I do, and then like on one hand I'm like, okay, I like you know be grateful for the the fact that I guess how I got here um, is either special or unique or whatever in its own right um, through like oh, yeah. the traditional art path, and then eventually switching into like digital media. Yeah. I mean, there's so much power in just like the idea of being real and, you know, yeah, that's an awesome story when people have been doing things their entire life and they have this like very uh, linear path to something. And I think that's that's incredible. And I, I think in one sense, there is a way that that builds on itself that you do see a lot of those people reach a level that a lot of other people won't be able to get to. But I think the same way that their interest in film builds on itself as the years go by, I think, you know, everyone has that same building process. So for you, you have a lot of steps that you took on your way to becoming a filmmaker that those people didn't because yeah, maybe you went in a more roundabout way, but you still kind of stepped on those touchstones that maybe they didn't. So you're able to build on something different. So it's less of a, like they're on a tier that you're not on and more of a, just like their path took them over here. Your path took you over here. And one isn't necessarily better, you know, a better filmmaker or a worse filmmaker or anything like that. It's just, everybody's a different filmmaker. Yeah, dude. I get that, man. Um, that's really cool about like your, you said your, would you say your grandpa or did yeah. you say your, <laughs> yeah, your grandpa had the VHS? Yeah. Dude, that's super cool. Did your, um, did your parents uh, ever do anything like that? Um, um, like, did they have like video camera? Like, do you have videos of you running around in diapers or whatever? Uh, so I do have, I have one or two from when I was really little, um, but they were with, with, uh, my parents had borrowed my grandfather's camera. They they never had... The first camera that they had that would shoot video was a Canon PowerShot A-something. It was a, it was a digital photo camera with a... Uh, it had the flip screen. And I learned yeah. that it could take video. Uh, I must have been... I, I don't know how old I was, but... Uh, I actually had video cameras before they had that because I had started getting into uh, like the mini DV cameras and stuff and the handy cams and all that. Uh, Okay. Yeah. That was kind of my first foray into that type of stuff. Dude, I love it, man. Um, So, no, dude, that's really cool. I I never knew that I like uh, what existed even slightly as, you know, such a young age for you like my impression of like what we've talked about your past has been has been uh music and then flipping music into film mm-hmm. and like just like maybe <clears throat> you're like teens 20s but never like before that yeah so that, that was really cool how did you how did you end up evolving that into um you know the rest so like another part of who Chris is which I would say is a musician so at that time wow is that rain gosh I think whatever was over here too I was gonna say whatever's at your place just came here it's like a deluge out there um no so I think during all of those years up until probably like I don't know 22 ish. Um, 
anything with video always took a backseat to music as far as with what I thought I was going to do with the rest of my life. Um, I had always played in bands. I had done like very light touring. Um, and that was just kind of everything was, you know, full speed ahead with all of that with, with music and video was something that was a hobby. It was something that I did for fun. The, the initial move into it was a lot of after effects stuff. A lot of the Andrew Kramer tutorials back in the day, uh, pre YouTube, they were all hosted on his own website and just working through those. Um, yeah, I think it was at, at that time it was, I had friends who had cameras and they would make movies together. And some of them were ones that I played music with. And I was like, damn, I would love to make movies with these guys. But like, all the roles are already filled you know everybody's already like doing what they're doing and so i was like if i figure out how to do something that none of them can do then they'll have to bring me in on these movies so i was like i'm gonna get really good at like effects so then when they would make these little action movies and stuff i'd be like check it out i can do muzzle flashes and all this other stuff and like that kind of initially drove the passion and then um but yeah, to answer your question, that never at that time that was never like, oh, this could be a marketable skill. Like this could be a career one day. It was just like, so. I mean, you know where we grew up. It was it was kind of just like, not even a not even a thing at the time. But I think that kept a lot of yeah. the like purity of it at the beginning because it was never like I'm gonna learn to do this and get rich. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I, when, when I, when I first got into it, so when I graduated high school, I was going to school for art education. Uh, and so I got a camera, um, and I wanted to use that to start taking photos because, um, Andrew and I would go on like hikes and stuff or Mm -hmm. like go try to find abandoned buildings. And like, I was like, Oh, I want to take pictures of this. And then at the same time, I, I, I was also using it to do like digitize portfolio pieces that I had for like paintings and stuff. So I didn't have to carry them around everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, when I first started it, it wasn't even video. It was just like, I just want to take pictures and go to cool places and like, you know, show people on Instagram. It was never really like, Oh, on a, how can I flip this into money? Yeah. And like, even when I started to get into video, it was the same, it was the same attitude. It was like, how do I just show this cool thing to people? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. I love it. So what, like, um, I guess what, what was that time like then from like after learning after effects and, and, and hanging out with buddies, like how did, how did you end up maybe like switching that or committing to music for a while? And then after that, what was the process like to, to flip into kind of where you're at now? Yeah. So I, once I graduated high school, um, I had considered doing the art institute I, I really i was not sure what i wanted to do at all um and a friend of mine had gone to art institute and i was like well i guess i might as well do that while i figure out what i want to do <laughs> um because at that point i just i had no idea uh, music was by no means a, a career or even close to it at that time so i was like well i'll do that and then i'll keep working on music on the side um then ended up not doing that on the advice of actually uh, a friend's mom and and that friend was basically just like hey man like I know what you can do already just from like us making videos and stuff like don't spend all this money on this because I know from doing it that you're not going to learn anything that you don't already know so I was super thankful for that and I'm still super thankful for that because I would have gone through it and I would have a lot of bills right now that I don't have. Um, but I was like, yeah, on the advice of my parents, I was like, well, you got to do something, you know? So I was also really, really interested in, uh, psychology at the time. So I was like, well, I'll go to school for psychology. I could see kind of this path of going through that and eventually working towards, um, 
some sort of becoming a therapist, that, that type of thing. Um, so I kind of started down that road a little bit and ended up dropping out, uh, after not long at all to go on tour with, with the band that I was in, um, which was great, you know, would, would do it again. And that really didn't go anywhere after that. Nothing, nothing was really happening with the music stuff and, the other guys in the band started to kind of move on with their lives and do the other things that they were going to eventually do to become their careers. And I just kind of felt it start to stagnate. And I was like, you know, this is just not, this is not meant to be like my career. And it was starting to become stressful because when you start to put that pressure on yourself to make money with something that you love, it can be so hard and, and really destroy your love for that thing. So once I kind of decided that that wasn't going to be the thing that put food on my table, I was able to really enjoy it a lot more. Um, and during all of this, during all this time, uh, my brother started making wedding videos and it was one of those things where he'd be like, Hey, can you help me with this this weekend or whatever? Cause he knew that I had done that. I was really into video stuff. Uh, so I'd be like, sure, sure, sure. And I'd, I'd help with them and, and through that process, I really started to realize like, oh, there's a really viable way to make money doing video. So long story short, a little while after um, he and I started working together on, on these wedding videos and it was just, it was here and there. I was still working other jobs um, and I was, uh, funny story, I was working at Lowe's, which was a great job, um, really fun job if, if you're looking for for a part-time job if you're younger like just awesome i worked in the garden center a lot of fun learned a lot about plants but um i worked with this guy and he knew you know just from talking he knew that i liked video that i was interested in it that i was interested in like making short films and all this different kind of stuff and he was older he's uh 50s 60s and the one day he he like told me he was like hey I when I was younger I always really wanted to be an animator for for Disney and back and I mean that was back in the day when like they were legit drawing out I mean those Disney animation studios yep. like the OG stuff and he was like I really wanted to do it I, I would like send in portfolio stuff and one day when I was 19 they offered me a job but I would have had to move to California because at the time that's where all of it was there was nothing in florida yet or anywhere else and he told me he didn't go because he was afraid to leave home and that that always had stuck with him so his encouragement to me was you know when the opportunity would arise if it ever does don't be afraid take the leap you know and the worst thing that happens is you regroup you figure it out, you know, and you decide that isn't the thing for you. Just the same thing with music, you know, the worst thing that ever happened was I decided that wasn't going to be my career and whatever, you know, I have a great relationship with music now. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but so, uh, I was a seasonal worker at Lowe's and they offered me full time because I was just a phenomenal employee and I, ex <laughs> And I accepted, you know, because I was like, great, like this will give me time to figure out what I want to do. And not long after that, I requested time off to go visit my sister who was living in California. And they were like, oh, we're going to end your seasonal employment. And I was like, didn't you guys offer me full-time employment? They were like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember that ever happening. So, so that's it. You're out. I was like, okay, cool. So I left. Not long after leaving, and this had been filming weddings here and there with my brother, uh, he had decided, hey, do you want to be a, a partner in this business? And I was like, yes, I do. So we started at that time uh, what was Almond Media, and that was somewhere around July. And by October, we were doing well enough that I had gotten a call from that same employee at Lowe's, and he said, hey, I just wanted to let you know if you did want to come back as a full-time employee, there's a spot open and we'd love to have you come take that spot. And I was able to tell yeah. him and, you know, could hear him smiling in his response on the other end of the phone that, Hey, thank you, but no, thank you. I, I don't, I'm not going to need that job. And 
he was just he was so pumped so that was definitely somebody who had a big impact on me at, at that point in my life but um yeah good times dude the man from the man from Lowe's. the man from Lowe's. <laughs> the the stranger the stranger from Lowe's. that sounds so much oh, sketchier man. I, <laughs> dude that's such a beautiful story i like I just have this vivid picture. I was definitely there, man. I was in it. Yeah. This vivid picture of this like old man, like giving you just wisdom. And that, like, that was your Yoda, man. It was. was. That was, that was, that was a train. That was a trainer for you. It was. I don't even know if he was real. I've never seen him since that. I would go, I go and look for him all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I. Uh, just real, real side note off of that. I love meeting people like that where you get like just weird wisdom from like an employee or, you know, someone on the street and then you like never see them again. You're like, (laughs) that's freaky. (laughs) No, I've, I've seen him again. Just like ended up in your life for a moment. Yeah. Oh man, come on! You could have went with it. I know, I know. Oh, uh, that that'd be so much more. That'd be so much more romantic. <laughs> like, and then I never saw him again. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably that's probably the biggest reason that I do what my what I why I do what I do what I why what I do why I do what I do. Um, yes, I have what is? I have this tendency to over romanticize everything, and for the vast yeah. majority of my life, that has been like my number one weakness but i happen to have found a career that if i can just romanticize and like disneyfy everything i ever you know come into contact with it's actually a huge plus so yeah great (laughs) yeah definitely i mean that definitely helps like selling stuff like whether it's a product or experience like really being like here's the positive like here's this here's the be- like the beauty that not everybody sees or here's the positive in this object or thing or or whatever. No, I definitely dude, that's so that's so cool, man. I'm I'm glad the the old man from Lowe's um <laughs> spoke into your life like that. Yeah. <laughs> because like without you in the film industry like um we I, we probably would have never met. No. And now probably not. Now we're on this podcast. Hey, hey. So I'd like to think that this podcast is brought to you by the old man from Lowe's. That's true. From Chris's past. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so <clears throat> earlier you were uh, you were talking about kind of like this idea of um, if I if I work too hard, I guess, with something that I enjoy uh, and in order to earn money, you can kind of like lose the, whether the love of it or the thrill of it or, Mm -hmm. or, or maybe some of that romanticism, romanticism you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think that's been like, a? is that the only reason or is there other reasons why maybe you've, um, dedicated to yourself to be pretty consistent with some personal projects? Cause like, uh, in my experience with working with you, that's something that like, um, I've, I've seen you do really well with, with saying that like, I'm going to make this spec ad, you know, not for anybody, but for me, for my portfolio, or I'm going to make this little short film and then like, you know, one or two every, every year or whatever, mm-hmm. or every couple months, like you just keep stepping up that and, and getting the opportunity to watch you like work and explore that has been really cool. But is that part of the reason why you do those is to kind of avoid um, that maybe aspect since you are making money now uh, making films? I think that's a lot of it. Yeah, for sure. Just to kind of like keep away from like the burnout stuff. But um, I think a big part of it, too, is, you know, one thing that I really learned from songwriting is... And I, I would argue probably the reason that I initially even got into that was using it as as cliche as it sounds as like a form of therapy, but not not a form of therapy as like, oh, I feel terrible. I'm going to write a song. Now I feel great. Um, but use it in the same way people use like journaling, you know, so like you kind of are able to okay. uncover things about yourself that maybe you wouldn't have been able to 
uh, otherwise uh, without just going through the process. So sometimes that's like, you know, heavy stuff, but sometimes it's, it's stuff like, you know, we, we made that horror short and it's like, obviously that wasn't trying to uncover any deep truth about myself. It was just trying to like kind of scratch a niche, you know what I mean? Of like, Oh, like it's always thought it would be fun to make like a little horror movie. And, um, I will say, man, very challenging because that's, that's a genre that has just been tread so heavily that it's like, it's a weird mix of like, nothing's new and you don't want to flat out copy but if you don't, you know, to some extent steal like an artist, you know, like take certain aspects from other things, there's only so many, yeah. so many things that are effective in a horror movie. So like a jump scare, you could say is like, well, you can't say, well, they stole that because I've seen other horror movies with jump scares. A lot of them have yeah. them. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think a lot of it is just like getting uh, an inclination of, well, this would be fun to do. And then just putting the rubber to the road and being like, well, let's do it. <laughs> let's make it happen. <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, I, yeah, I, I totally understand that, that, that get an itch, like the scratch an itch thing mm-hmm. um, of like, hey, I want to do this or I want to try this and, or, or, or all, all sorts of stuff. I think my experience in that recently has been, or even in general, like through all of, through all of, um, filmmaking or my experience in it in college and post-college um i really like the whole um like character documentary Mm -hmm. aspect of of things and um it's weird because like i got into it um and i was like oh man this is amazing and i and my I, i convinced my one friend who who's a bit older he's uh you know he was in his 50s but he's still dirt biking and um like if 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 you know a whole lot about dirt biking, um, not many, like pretty much after like mid thirties, people kind of just stop, um, for whatever reason, whether that be fitness or like, or, um, you know, expenses or, or whatever, but running out of bones um, to break. Yeah. mm -hmm. And so that was a big thing because he came to, he came to church one day and he was like, dude, I have a concussion. I'm like, how do you have a concussion? He's like, I was dirt biking. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so cool. And, uh, I ended up like interviewing him about it. And we've, we, when he, when he got better, we ended up filming a little bit and that like re that project really got me into wanting to, I guess, learn different parts about people. Yeah. Um, and I, I had never really made like a big outdoor film. Um, and then last fall, I, I, I joined one of my buddies, um, who is a hunter, uh, for like four months of going out every once in a while and like capturing what's the process like of that, mm-hmm. of getting prepped in the summer and then like trying to go, um, uh, harvest a, a white tailed deer. And, uh, that I, I would put into the itch category of like, I was like, Ooh, I, ne- I had never made like an outdoor kind of documentary film like that where i'm in the woods and then it's like a lot of waiting and it's something that you know i've never done especially with hunting mm-hmm. um and i was just like it, it was so satisfying to be able to like finish that and be like oh man that was so cool like what's the next category of thing i can try yeah um and uh i i've done that a little bit with um like short film scripts of like writing of being um, especially the journaling thing that you're talking about, like, mm-hmm. man, like, you know, Oh, I just broke up with this girl and I'm like, I'm, I'm in, I'm in my feelings right now. <laughs> I just gotta <laughs> like get that out. So it's like, how can I write a short film about this exact experience? And it's, and then like, you know, I have a couple of those sitting on my computer that may or may not get made in the future. And, mm-hmm. um, just like, just a way to like express and discover is, is a really cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, recently uh um have you been doing that with uh anything specific um or do you what like what's like the next category maybe of thing that you want to try or do you have any like itches that you need to scratch right now or you don't have to go in super detail but like is there categories that you still want to explore as a filmmaker yeah absolutely um i think the biggest one right now is just like 
it's it's so like in the background and i think part of the reason it is is because it just scares the hell out of me to take on um because it's it's bigger than what i've done previously and i think a big part of it is i just i don't want to mess it up (laughs) um yeah but to to make a long story short back in the days that i was that we were talking about before where not a lot of people had cameras um i was i was in high school i was already messing around with after effects just just messing around with premiere just starting to and uh, a friend of mine when i was younger had a camera from skateboarding he would film other skaters and stuff and and he and i would mess around with i don't even want to call it narrative type stuff it was literally just the idea of getting like cool shots of things cool frames cool sequences and then putting them with music um it, it was literally it was that archaic at the time was was we we're just starting to experiment with that type of stuff and like what does it make you feel what is it you know all of that stuff um and he knew of an abandoned house in the area which i didn't really know of any and we went to and it's just it was just that quintessential like it really wasn't vandalized much at all but it was a very very old farmhouse um yeah had an upstairs had multiple rooms beautiful beautiful place in that in that way you know uh now of course every other metal music video then for the rest of our lives would be filmed in in houses like that uh but at the time i had i hadn't seen anything like it it's like man this is really cool we should film some stuff and um i had footage of oh we we went up to the attic and it was packed with just stuff like it looked like a hoarder's house but there was nothing else in the whole rest of the house um so we came up with this cool sequence where I was filming with his camera and he started in the attic and he was in the back and there was just stuff everywhere and he worked his way out of there kind of neandered through the rest of the house and then he got down to the door at the bottom and it was kind of jammed shut and he pushed it open and because those old cameras had zero dynamic range uh, and they were all like three CCD auto exposure it had exposed for the inside he pushed the door open and the light just like flooded in and it's it was something that like would be difficult to make look the same way with the cameras that we use now because one the dynamic range is good and two you'd see a little bit of detail but it would be but like this with this old camera it just glowed it was beautiful it was, it was all on tape and um so i had that i put it together with some like sad orchestral music and it was like it was, it was pretty vibey at the time and uh yeah so we we like built out this whole idea of like oh, well, we'll have, you know, we'll, we'll set up this storyline that goes along with it. And it'll be this like metaphor from like, for someone who is, is like passing away and uh, not to be like morbid or anything, but as I'm sure a lot of people at that age start to get like, I don't know, people start thinking about like, well, you know, for, for whatever reason, I had this preoccupation with like the like artistic definition of um like what exactly happens when you die um so like an arc and a more like artistic metaphorical showing of that happening um i really like i thought a lot about the idea of a life flashing before your eyes and all that type of stuff um being just so like poetic and I don't know. I had I'd read The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, which which kind of tread on that a little bit. And basically, after that, it went nowhere. And it just kind of sat around. And it was just one of those little, like, experiments that you did. And it was one of a thousand things. And yeah. um, more recently, I had started thinking about, well, how could I use that idea? And, oh, a key part of that that I didn't tell you was... We had that footage, we had the music, and it was kind of orchestral, it was non-vocal, and at the time, this was back in the flip phone days, but it was also in the email days, so it was like kind of this this weird crossover, and I had signed up for this random service where you could put in your phone number, and it would send you recordings of your voicemails into your email, and there, okay. there again, it was just like, man, this is so cool, like, I don't know what I would do with this, what I could do with this, 
but it's just so interesting to be able to have a voicemail on a computer because like again this is way before iphone visual voicemail so it was just something weird to it but it had that like crispy sound from a you know from the phone lines yeah and i just took a whole bunch of them that i had and i threw them on the timeline and it was one of those things where i wasn't thinking that this project was about that until i put all of these pieces together and then you watch it through and you're like oh my god that's what this is like because he's like going from this cluttered area in the attic of like you know life and belongings and all of this stuff and he's like working his way out and by the time he gets to the there's this beautiful music and by the time he gets to the end he opens this door and this light floods in and the whole way through you're hearing these voicemails that were just random voicemails where as a whole then what it became was this weird fragmentation of memories like what you could potentially what could potentially be your life flashing before your eyes um, because obviously none of the voicemails were a full story, but they were like a, a hinge post, a place in time of, you know, a thing. You know, maybe there was one from prom or something like that. Or maybe there was one from like uh, someone's wishing a happy birthday or just saying hi or whatever. And it's like these very uh, emotionally charged moments from life that are just strewn across this stuff with this music to it. And it was one of those things where you kind of assign meaning to something after it's done where you're like, damn, like, is this what this is about? Um, yeah. And that was just this weird mix of like the, the technology at the time was what it was. And if it wasn't, you know, kind of like the camera thing, the scarcity made it useful. Whereas right now today, like I would never have the idea to like, Oh, we should put voicemails in there because now it's simple to get an MP3 of a voicemail. But at the time, I was like, this is incredible. Like, we should use this for something. And it became that thing that I never would have thought to put together otherwise. So, to keep this long story long for you, that <laughs> that idea just sat on the shelf forever. And more recently, that friend um, with the camera had, had passed away. And I had just started thinking a few months maybe a year prior to that that I need to do something with this idea um, because it was still with me after all I mean it's been over 10 years and it was still just kind of stuck in there and it started to turn into stuff like well what if um, what if the, the memories that flash before your eyes are film like real film because as you know Glenn I've been just enamored with using real film yeah. Um, and yeah, so without going into too much detail about the idea of the project, it's one of those things where um, now I feel more than ever that it's necessary to to make. But what I had put together in, in script form is just so big and necessarily big to, I feel like, do it right and do it justice um, is just terrifying to me but it's one of those things it's like i know it's gonna happen sooner or later but i i just i've been putting it off and putting it off yeah dude that's really cool man did Thank that make any sense <laughs> no yeah i followed I, I was there um dude i love that so are you looking is that are, are you trying to make that like uh is that gonna be a film or a short film or is that going to be like the the music video? Like, are you just trying to like actually accomplish that sort of music video with um, the voice the voice memo, and then obviously flip flop that with you know your film, like in reference to all that all that happened in that situation? Yeah. So it's it's similar to that one in that it's like okay. kind of kind of an exploration of um, you know, of the idea of, of a life flashing before your eyes, but it's built out a lot more um, in, in a different way. And it kind of brings in some more modern themes with, you know, other things that have, that I've had experience with since then. And yeah. Um, yeah. Just visually, I think I pull some, some inspiration from that in certain ways, but 
Um, there's definitely an element with voicemails built into it, but it fits more into like the, the narrative of the script and less of like, um, you know, that happy accident kind of let me see what was possible from a, from a standpoint of when you watch everything back and you hear that it's just kind of like gives you that a certain feeling. Um, Mm. but this is kind of taking all of that stuff that I learned from that same type of subject matter, but. Uh, built into a more narratively cohesive way but it, it it's like a 20 20 30 minute script so okay cool man dude that's awesome thanks i love that um wow dude i'm just like i'm pumped i'm pumped for you man um <laughs> the idea of like being able to like uh watch that like knowing kind of this story and and, and where it's come from is going to be really cool yeah. in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have um? Do you do you often feel uh, fear when make when making some of these personal projects, and like do you get past that or or uh, aside from this one that you're talking about, um, is that something that you experience regularly and have to challenge uh, yourself in? Say that one more time. I missed the very first part. Oh, it's okay. Um, so in, in making these personal projects, um, do you usually uh, end up feeling uh, fearful of how they'll of how they'll turn out or if it like won't play right? Like the one that you just described seems like it carries like a lot of emotional weight and some past experience. But do you have to like, do you feel that when you're doing something like um, say, say, the most recent thing that I've seen you do, which is the, the grinding video uh, on your Instagram. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, uh, did you, is, is there like an aspect of fear you have to push, push past? Um, Oh yeah. And, uh, like wh- wh- what's that like? So, I mean, even if you like, let's just continue like using, I guess, this example of the, 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 the most recent video that you made for Instagram and, and, and social media and stuff like that for people working at home. Um, like, was that process involved in terms of like having to remove some fear, uh, outside of it? And do you have to do that for other projects as well? And then I guess like, how do you do that for yourself? Oh yeah. Um, comedy especially is horrifying because I mean, the, the obvious thing is what if it's not funny, you know, what, or what if, I'm the only one or, you know, me and the few people on set are the only people that, that think this joke's funny. And then you put it out there and it's just not, or it doesn't resonate. It's like, Oh man, what could be more horrific? And then beyond that, (laughs) beyond that, then me being the one, uh, on camera, you know, delivering the comedy, it's just like takes it another step further. So not only is my writing not funny, but I'm not funny. It's just like, you're not funny. Yeah. The shot's not funny. Every single piece of the filmmaking process for this thing that I did all myself is not funny and it's all my fault. (laughs) Um, Oh no. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it is, it's, it's scary. And, but ultimately it's one of those things of, I put a lot of faith in the idea that if it's not good or if it's not funny, not many people will see it because no one will share it. No one will, you know, all of the, all of the metrics by which, you know, something is successful are the same ways that it gets in front of more eyes. Um, other than obviously all of the ideas of like algorithms and boosted posts, uh, posts and stuff like that. But with with stuff like the grinding video, I think at the time, more than anything, it was just, man, I just wanted to make something. Um, and I had felt a lot of frustration in the past with working from home, as I'm sure you have. Everybody who does what we do already knows that struggle that, you know, the other 94% or whatever of the world is just now getting to experience by working from home for so long of like, man, there's a lot of like weird mental baggage that comes along with that, that from the outside looking in, it's like, man, I would love to work from home. I'd love to, you know, be this close to the fridge all the time and this, you know, whatever, whatever. But it's like, man, it, it, it takes a toll, not only the isolation, but the idea that you live where you work. And because of that, you technically never leave work. And that starts to seep in, um, in a really, 
bizarre insidious way and so that's kind of was the the genesis behind that was just you know how can i get this message that i feel so strongly about out into the world in a way that that's funny that we can kind of all laugh at ourselves that because it's the position that we all find ourselves in in this time in this time that's something i'm trying not to say that god every commercial Oh, during or in this, yeah, like the repeated phrases that everybody in this time or like, I feel like um, the phrase like we're all in this together has kind of like just fizzled out to be this stale thing that everybody just is expected to say. Or like um, when you read emails, it's like, I hope you're safe. And you're like, no, you don't. <laughs> like, it's just like, it, it's, it's so weird in this time is so weird um that it's just like even if it's only been like two months or whatever yeah that things can become like so repeated that it's just like it falls it falls flat in terms of it's like meaning yeah weird yeah <laughs> but dude that's 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 super cool that you've been able to you know work on something personal for yourself uh, and kind of counteract that feeling and, and, uh, you know, be able to push past that and, and not only like actively counteract like some, I guess, negative mental baggage, but like also put something really cool in your portfolio, which is, uh, which is funny. Yeah. My favorite thing in that dude is the, (laughs) it's the skateboarding thing. (laughs) you're on the green screen oh my gosh i love when it cuts out to the wide shot and it's just like clearly you didn't even like you didn't even green screen yourself into the wide shot it was only the close-ups oh it's just just similar clothes oh it's such a beautiful moment and i'm like oh this is this is just this is just a filmmaking golden nugget right here (laughs) Is this is it especially this like chunk of time in this film? Oh yeah, it's so much fun. Terrible, but in the, in the best way, dude. Yes. Well, Chris, um, I feel as people have got to know you at least uh, uh, a decent bit um, through this chunk of time. Um, I I think the one of the last things I want to ask you is is what I, I end up asking everybody. But um, so it. In this, uh, in in the idea of increasing in knowledge and love and having a bigger brain and a bigger heart, which is something that, you know, I think that we've talked about a little bit throughout this podcast in terms of like both increasing in like filmmaking skill, but also just like some emotions behind that as well. Um, is there anything that you're doing, reading, watching, seeing, practicing, um, implementing in your life that um, you think people could take away that? will increase um, the size of their brain, but also the size of their heart. Um, yeah, 100%. Let me just think about what that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, the first one that came to mind is gardening, um, which has absolutely nothing to do with filmmaking, but... Dude, that's totally fine. I've seen all your little Instagrams, man. I'm watching that thing... <laughs> Uh, over social media, get your you and Sarah's garden just get built up yeah. to this beautiful rainforest that will eventually be <laughs> your backyard. Yeah, man. I I don't know. I I think a huge thing to kind of go along with that. If 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 whoever's listening is a filmmaker, or if they're not, I think the biggest thing is whatever your like main job or main hustle or or whatever is your main creative pursuit or other pursuit is to make sure and this goes with the grinding thing too is to make sure that you find time and and make time to do other things um that won't necessarily feed directly into that i'm a huge proponent of of course like continuing to learn do tutorials do all this stuff you know take master classes to learn your your own craft and this is all other than experience but yeah i think a big part of it is you know like we talked on at the very beginning about those other touchstones that have nothing to do with your main thing that you can then pull from to feed into your main, you know, whatever your main thing is for us filmmaking. Um, I think any of that that you can do is, is the best. There's, uh, 
I forget the guy's name, but I was just listening to something and he was talking about being a copywriter when he was younger at a ad agency. And yeah. he had someone there who was like this world famous copywriter and he was so pumped that he was there and he was like, I'm going to go in and talk to him. And he went in and talked to him and the guy was like, do you have a cigarette? And he was like, no, but I can go get one. So he went and got the guy's cigarettes. And he comes back and he starts coming up, you know, talking to him a little bit. And he's like, what do you do? And he said, I'm a copywriter. And he's like, how many hours a day do you write? And he was like, oh, I'm going to, this will be good. I'm going to tell him I write 10 hours a day. And he told him he writes 10 hours a day. And this older guy in his, uh, in his wisdom of the craft said, you shouldn't, that's too much. You shouldn't be writing that much a day. You should be writing two hours a day. And the rest of the day, you should be finding things, doing things to figure out what to write about. So like that really resonated with that same idea of, you know, us as, as creative people, as, as people who do this, um, if you get too buckled down with doing the work itself, you're going to run out of things to do the work about. You know, or you're going to get completely uninspired or you, the work just won't be good because there'll be nothing going, you know, there'll be no fuel going into it other than itself, you know, turn into that, that, uh, what is that called? The Ouroboros, the snake that's like eating its own tail or whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that would be my advice is do other things outside of whatever your pursuit is, whether that's creative or you know, if you're in business or if you're in finance or whatever, find other things to do outside of it and allow that to feed you for, you know, what your main pursuit is. Dude, I love it. That's some quality, quality insight into uh, the human experience of working too hard. Yeah. And I love the I love the wraparound back to uh, your grinding video. Very fun. Um, Chris, it was absolutely lovely to talk to you today. I feel like my own heart and my own brain has both increased in size and uh, not only height, but also breadth. I feel like I've, I've, this has been a well-rounded conversation of history and implementation of your skills and who you are as a person. And I think it's also been funny in some moments. Sometimes, um, here and there. Yes, which I, which I love and which I appreciate. And I hope that, um, you know, people who are listening can all gain something from Chris. But Chris, thank you so much. And um, I will see you another time, okay? Thanks for having me on, man. This is a blast. Yeah, man. Peace. Later.